What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We continue Two White Lights, March Madness, with the second round of matchups. Some will call it the Sweet 16. Some will call it the round of 32. I, myself, will call it the Sweet 16. Steve Denovi will call it the round of 32. And I get the editing power, so I guess it's the Sweet 16 from now on, even though he disagrees. Uh, yeah, we actually opened the episode with that little contentious debate. And with the matchups in the second round, there is a lot of debate between me and Steve Denovi, and I know both him and I disagreed with the fans. The fans might disagree with us, but it was a real interesting batch of matchups. A lot of upsets, a lot of disagreements, and we still talk a lot about these lifters and how we believe they're going to perform at Raw Nationals. Really fun episode. Really great stuff, and I know some of our decisions are going to make the viewers, the listeners, the fans a little angry, but that's okay because we're pro-negativity podcast. But before we get into our matchups, we got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merch. Also, make sure you are following them on Instagram because you will see the designs they're putting out, the Leflar squad growing, the Leflar family growing. And you do not want to miss out on it because every single one of their designs relates to strength sports and the strength athlete in some way, and they all look fantastic. I'm telling you right now, the Leffler Bros, the new cotton candy Miami Vice type comp tee is the best looking comp tee out in there. I'm, I'm making that statement right now. I thought their original comp tee was great. This one is better, and I'm going to wear it this weekend. I can't wait to do that. And you can get that along with all their other designs. If you use promo code 2WL15, you will get 15% off of your order. They got designs galore, and you will not be upset with anything that you order. You will only be satisfied. So use that promo code 2WL15, one of the best powerlifting codes out there, and get 15% off of your order. And also, if it, if it couldn't get any better, it does, because they have two White Lights merch on there, too. That's right. Only on leftflurbros.com can you find... Two white lights merch. We got two different t-shirts, the original logo in the fight night, and we got dad hats. You know how much I love dad hats. And also, you can use that promo code 2 bill 15 on that as well. Make sure you're on LaFleurBros.com. Also, visit RivalUs.net. Get yourself some RivalUs supplements. Remember, they got that informed choice label. That's important. Informed choice is big for USAPL lifters, and I know a lot of you are USAPL lifters. Use promo code Angelo10. Or Angelo 15, actually. Angelo 15 to get 15% off of your rivalist order. Remember, informed choice is important. And use that promo code Angelo 15 and you can get 15% off of your informed choice rivalist subs. Also, be sure to visit lift.net to get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. They are my preferred gear choice for powerlifting. I love the wrist wraps, the knee sleeves, the singlets. They got... The white label, the green label, the black label, all available on lift.net. Use promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% off of your order. Remember, ANGELO10 for stoic gear. And also, make sure you are visiting Notorious Lift on Instagram. You do not want to miss out on Notorious Lift slippers drops. Be sure to sign up for that newsletter because they are going to continue to release designs. They may re-release a lot of designs too. And if you guys follow Notorious Lift, you will know that they have all the designs that will match your platform attire, 
your gym attire, and you will look awesome while you're deadlifting or benching. I use them for both. No slip drip is a real thing, and you don't want to miss out on those drops because you can't go to NotoriousLift.com and just get whatever you want. You have to look out for those drops, and they are important. So they re-release a lot of stuff. They also come out with tons of new designs. Make sure you are on their Instagram page and that newsletter. Also, be sure to follow on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. That helps Two White Lights a lot. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, March 25th, and Steve DeNovi, do you know what time it is? March, March Madness time. It's Sweet 16 time. We got the Sweet 16 set. I'm going to stop you. We're not at the Sweet 16 yet, buddy. Here's the thing. Are we in the Sweet 16? Because I thought we're doing it based off males and females. Males is Sweet uh, Sweet 16. No, there's still 32 competitors left. Yeah, there's 32 competitors. Yeah, okay. Derek Dowry messaged me this. They're meeting in the end. There's going to be a male versus a female battle in the end. Yes, but that's special to our March Madness. Regular March Madness in college basketball has male and female separated, and it's Sweet 16 for the both of them. We're together. They're... There are two sides. There's one. There's men are on one side, women are on the other, and they're coming together. I really want to say Elite Eight next week, and I might do it anyways. <laughs> All right. I might just keep doing it because I uh, Derek Dowry messaged me that, and I'm like, I still think it's a Sweet 16 because we're separating brackets. I, I get where you're coming from, and the way I set it up, this is the 32, and next week is the Sweet 16. Well, we have it set up that there's going to be a male and a female battling in the end. Okay, so that is confirmed, though. I actually didn't know that. We might even be able to mix it up in the final four if we want to. Maybe. We might we, do we that. We go male, female in the final four. We might do that based on who we get. Uh, that's actually, yeah, I, that's actually the power of creating your own bracket. We get to do whatever we want. We could reseed them. We could reseed yeah. them if we want. I actually, you know what? Fuck it. I beat Austin Perkins last week. I'm facing Ray Williams this week. Well, if you just change your vote, I voted for I voted for you. You're the one that made you lose. Exactly. Well, I'm making the bracket. So, all right. Sorry, Perk. You're underrated again. I'm back on top. Uh, just kidding. I'm not doing that. But we have, I guess, round of 32. I'm going to call it the Sweet 16. Of both male and females today, we're actually going to get through them all this week, too. Um, not really going to go under certain time constraints as as we did with the first round because when there's 64 competitors, that's a lot of people to get through. We only have 32 this time, and we talked already a lot about those competitors. So it's mostly going to be individual debates now of just really who we think is going to have the better performance at Raw Nationals, and we really don't have to do a whole lot of breakdown. We don't have to introduce the lifter. We don't have to talk about as much past performances because we already did that with the first episodes that we did. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, moving forward, I mean, if you haven't watched the ones prior and you want full breakdowns of these athletes and their background and kind of stuff, we're, we're going to talk about that. We already done that. So mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about it a little bit here, but yeah, this is going to be a lot more of just like breaking down the matchup and that's it because we've already got the background to it. And now it's just moving forward on who is the best lifter. Yeah. And on top of that, 
more debate. There's going to be more debate. So I actually said it's going to be might might be a shorter episode. It might actually be a longer episode because I could already see some of these matchups, and I know I already disagree with some of the fans, and you know that's that's a typical thing. But I think me and Steve are gonna legitimately duke it out. We're gonna be Stephen A and Skip, not Stephen A and Max. That's like that's not as fun. Well, Stephen A and Skip. Skip. Skip's a douchebag, so you can be Skip. I don't want to be him. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, they have to. They have to have at least one douchebag on the thing because Max has taken that title as douchebag on ESPN. Yeah, which yeah, I feel no, bad for him. There's two matchups because prelude. Most we kind of know who's going to win for the most part. There is two matchups we have no idea, and neither of us have decided. Yeah, yeah, we have yeah. no idea. We're gonna we're gonna figure out as we're talking. Yeah, and of course we already know what the fans decided because uh, we have the. We have the results uh, pulled up. So, and remember, fan one vote, me one vote, Steve one vote. But let's start with the Leffler Bros region. And we're starting off spicy here. At least in my opinion, spicy. We got Taylor Atwood, number one, versus Jesus Oliveras, number nine. And the fans voted Taylor Atwood's way. I could understand why. But this, as far as one first nine goes, is very interesting. Debates can be made. Cases can be made. And I think when you compare the two lifters, there is an argument that Jesus could possibly have a better Raw Nationals than Taylor Atwood. Yeah, it is possible. We talked about it last episode. In my opinion, the standard that I'm looking from Jesus is not necessarily does he beat Ray. It, does he beat the best Ray? And if Ray doesn't come in, we're going to talk about Ray in a little bit. If Ray doesn't come in at 100% and he beats Ray, that's great. But I want to. I would want him to see not only beat Ray, but I want to see Jesus. If he's going to be in the conversation with Taylor, he needs to go 2,400 plus. Mm-hmm. And if he goes 2,400 plus, he is 100% in the conversation with Taylor. And especially if, if he was to beat Ray's all-time record, whether it's this year, next year, eventually, that might put him at one. Overall, like mm-hmm. best lifter in all of USAPL, but it hasn't happened yet. Yes, and that's all speculation. Yes. Could it happen? Plausibly, but we already know Atwood threw down eight twelve point five, and it looked easy. We expect that, and probably a little bit more at Raw Nats. He usually doesn't always go all out because he doesn't need to. He just he gets his nine for nine. Until I see that from Jesus, even though I think it's possible. I have to go with Taylor because we know exactly what's coming. We're, we're, could Perk possibly beat Atwood? Yes, but it's probably unlikely. Atwood's the heavy favorite to not only win um, his class, but probably push for best overall lifter as well against Ashton or, or Bryce, whoever comes out on top in that uh, uh, 105 kilo division. Yeah, I agree. And really, for best overall lifter, you know, we said it last episode, super heavyweights don't really get a fair shake in that. And that's uh, this competition actually might show that the the fairness in comparing super heavyweights to other lighter guys. And I think Jesus has the highest top end of anyone in this list. The highest potential and the highest ceiling, in my opinion. Even, even surpassing um, Austin Perkins, in my opinion. Because the potential is possibly the biggest total in drug-tested powerlifting history and one of the most impressive feats in powerlifting history. But like you said, it's all speculatory. We don't know if this is going to happen. We're really just assuming it's going to happen based on his last performance. And really, 
it's not a fair assumption to make because it's really hard. I know Jesus is a mind because that guy has a mindset like no other, but it's really hard to place someone on that pedestal and making it seem like anything below that uh, is is a failure because it isn't. If he gets anywhere close to that, it's incredibly it's incredibly good. But where Taylor separates himself from Jesus is the fact that he's been there, done that. And that, that's actually, a bit, I, I believe I'm correct on this. Jesus has never competed at a nationals before, or even a, a big meet. Correct? Uh, no, he hasn't. He's not. He, this will be his first. This will be his first. Yeah, this will be his first big meet. I, I don't see any reason why that's going to be an issue. He's never done it. We've never seen it. Taylor has done it on the highest stage and always performs at a nine for nine capacity at the highest stage. So we already know what Taylor's going to bring. And Jesus is just a bit more of a question mark. But if he can get to that point, this becomes a very, very, very interesting discussion in the future. Yes. I mean, it, it might you might be having an all-time conversation. We might be having the best performance of all time conversation. We also, I don't know, who knows, maybe go back in this bracket and reseed some things and pick out winners uh, based on you know our fuck-ups. Which it could happen, but I think we're talking right now what could happen, and the facts are laid out for us. Taylor Atwood is the number one guy in 74s. I still think he's the favorite, the overwhelming favorite. And Jesus is still the underdog in super heavyweight until I'm proven otherwise. He's still going to be the underdog, and for that reason, personally, I would have to give Taylor Atwood my vote. But as far as one first nine go, or even one first eight, no matter what, that's how it was going to be, one first eight or one first nine. This was the most contentious of all of them. Yes. Because, yeah, because a lot of these ones are kind of going to get a pretty a pretty easy walk to, like, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. This one was the one that was, there There could be an argument made. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would have Taylor Atwood moving on. He gets my vote. Steve, who are you voting for? Taylor. All right, we got three to zero. Sorry, Jesus. He's probably going to kick my ass next time I see him. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? Right. You, I was probably going to say something anyways that Jesus is going to beat my ass in the first place. So, we're good. <laughs> All right. All right, next one. Now, this one, when we're talking about debates, this is going to be one of those debates where we're probably going to come up on air on who our winners are. We have Bryce Lewis at number five first Jonathan Keiko. Both reigning national champions, Keiko in 93s, Bryce Lewis in 105s. And the fans' voting was quite close on this. They had Keiko 56% of the vote to Bryce Lewis 44%. And I'm going to put my hands up. I This one was too close to call for me. I really honestly don't know between these two great competitors who is going to have the better performance at 2021 Raw Nationals. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, I'm pulling it up right now. Is that right here? Okay. So one of the hard parts here is Keiko just competed. We have that on paper. Yeah. 892.5 and 93 kilo. That's unreal. Bryce hasn't competed in a meet since Nationals 2019. He did the mock meet. He hit 750, 501, 815 for a 266 total. Very impressive. I think the bench, I think he kind of, maybe he said it. Yeah, press command was generous. Uh, he probably would have got a little longer press command, but with how it moved, it went pretty well. 
Um, he has had some grip issues on deadlift. I don't, I, I, maybe he's fixed those because the 815, he had no problem. Um, but let's just say he hit 2066, 937.5, and Keiko hit 892.5. We count Bryce's, so we count Bryce's meet there. So we have recency on competition for both of them. What that's putting it as, if we're just going off of numbers, that is putting Keiko fairly easily winning 93. And he looked like he had plenty more in the tank to probably go 900 plus. Bryce, that would put him second in 105. And while we've seen in head-to-head battles him and Ashton, seemingly it's more competitive than we compete alone. Um, So I think it's nothing against Ashton. I think a lot of it comes down to Bryce's experience in those head-to-head battles, being an IPF world, Matt Gary handling him. Uh, I mean, Ashton this year is going to have Marcellus handling him, so that should help. Um, but Bryce has seemingly always been a little, had a little bit of an edge in head to head battles, um, from attempt selection and game planning, but still, I think most of us would agree Ashton's the favorite. Yeah. So because of that, those weight classes are pretty even. I can't go one weight class better than the other 105 and 93, both super competitive. But if I'm going ceiling, Keiko looks like a very solid favorite to win. Bryce looks like a maybe to win with this floor of second. So because of that, I'm leaning towards Keiko. Yeah. Um, that would factor into my decision as well. And again, it's just so close to call between these two. Cause even pulling up their numbers, cause I think you, you make those arguments a lot with ceilings and floors. You're essentially a carpenter in this situation, ceilings and floors, you making a lot of those arguments. I, that, that's what matters uh, to you more. Mine is about really just momentum. What have you done for me lately? And how I forecast you into this next meet. And even with that, they're both super, super close. We look at Keiko. Ka- Ka- and from his from his meet, from Raw Nationals to his most recent meet, he has made incredible improvements on what is a national championship victory. So progress is already there from him. He's already making that forward progress, and it seems to be some some big big progress he's making. Um, improving on a you know eight sixty eight total to eight ninety two is massive. But then the same arguments can be made with Bryce. Now it's not as substantial as yet, Keiko, but Bryce has been doing this such a long time that he is proven to be the more consistent competitor at these big meets. Raw Nationals, IPF Worlds, Arnold. Same thing with Atwood. The guy's been there, done that. So has Keiko. That's why it's like, for me, it's really just flipping a coin at this point. But the big thing that you said is this. Keiko, with his last performance, is the runaway favorite for 93. And when you're the runaway favorite for 93, one of the most competitive weight classes in the USAPL, I think I just have to go with Keiko here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to put an elusive number out here, too, because I think Keiko can break it. Because one thing I'm going to throw out there, too, is Keiko made all this progress, and now he's finally on better equipment on an even floor. Yeah. Like they, were, they were pretty noting in the meet, he was literally trying to learn how to squat on an even floor again. And I actually understand that, because my garage is a little uneven, and you have to adapt when you're not on that same... Like you start to adapt your squat and your deadlifts and stuff, and even your bench. He's now on an even floor that legitimately will make a difference. So we can only think that he's actually going to keep making more progress. He could beat Jesse Norris's mythical 215 or 2015 that was done in his local Idaho meet. 
That forever has been the standard of the USAPL since 2014. Amanda finally beat it on good lift points, um, but a male hasn't, and Keiko might do it. Yeah. Um, Bryce, I don't. I think he would have he would have to do something crazy to beat that. I'm, we're bringing in good lift score. I don't like to use it, but I am going to use it here. Ashton is the one pushing that good lift score, but Ashton weighs 15 pounds less. That's why he can do it. Bryce weighs in at 231. I think he'd have to go like 2150 or something to be able to kind of beat that elusive score. Yeah. So if we're taking that, I'm taking Keiko is the runaway favorite. He might beat Jesse Norris's good lift score. That's been the 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 standard forever. Um, and he's seemingly making amazing progress right now. And so is Bryce. That's the big thing about Bryce is he's been making unreal progress the last two years. I just don't, I, I forgot to mention this to actually get off of this. I, I kind of mentioned this last one of anyone. I feel like uh, there's other two Keiko. If we use his most recent meet, he'd be a two C, but this was made before then. If we use Bryce's uh, mock meet, it makes him a three C. So it just kind of sucks for both of them here because they got lumped together in a two, three matchup, basically in a round. They shouldn't have been matched up against Bryce should be going further. Keiko should be going further, but the one that actually will go further because they are matched up for me is Keiko. I'm good. I'm giving Keiko my nod. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Keiko on this one too. And it's hard for me to do that simply because I know what Bryce is capable of. And like you said, he is a, potential three seed in this but i i mean with the, the with the facts presented i and again i always have to keep in mind like who gun to your head who do you think is going to have a better performance at raw nationals and i think keiko is on the he's on the precipice of being one of the best usapl lifters regardless of body weight he is going to eventually throw themselves into those conversations atwood Russ Keiko. That's what I think is going to happen soon and possibly surpassing Russ. Uh, is it's a guy who's just one of the best lifters in USAPL regardless of weight class. And same arguments can be made about Bryce too. I mean, I think it already is. But again, just gun to my head who I think is going to have a better performance in 2021 Raw Nationals. I'm going to have to go with uh, Keiko here. Very, very tough, very tough decision for me. And this one, I, I, as far as men's go, one of the hardest ones. But we move on in the Leffler Bros region. We have Chance Mitchell, 11, going first. Dennis Cornelius at number three. So for this one, I said it last episode, Dennis is underrated in a lot of ways. I love him because of his dominance at 120. And the guy doesn't get enough credit at times for just putting up a total that's good enough for being like second or third at super heavyweights. Um, the fans voting had Dennis's way. I'm just going to give you my early vote. I was thinking Dennis as well. And tough matchup coming out of the first round for Chance Mitchell. Yeah. It's, this is just kind of, you know, I'm going to pull out my ceiling again. Dennis is most likely winning 120. Chance's ceiling looks to be about third. Um, Connor looks pretty solid in that second spot. I feel like I think Chance and Gavin Aiden and, and maybe another couple of people may battle for that third spot. But Chance just isn't going to be in the picture, I believe, to be able to beat Pico and Bo for Porker. Even though Chance has made really good progress, even with all the setbacks he's had, 
he's just going up against a guy who you could argue is on the Mount Rushmore of USAPL. And that's talking past performance, but we're looking future forward too. His training seems to be going really well. Um, and I, I could, I very much see him being back in that 2150 plus range that he was prior to, um, his departure to, uh, uh, the USBA. Cause he's been kind of having to, as we talked about this last episode, he's been kind of having to work back into his body weight and he kind of drops in strength because of having to lose about 30 pounds. I feel like I, I don't know how much he lost, but he had to lose a good amount of weight to get back in this weight class. He's now stabilized, had plenty of time to train at that body weight. So I think we're going to see him have a resurgence from his, what he used to do. Um, everything is pointing that way. And if he does, he's going to win the national title. Um, and that's going to put him as the winner, in my opinion, in this matchup. Yeah, I, I would, I would argue the same. And it, it can't, like you said, has been looking really good recently. Um, a lot of setbacks that he's had and he always comes back from them. So that's, that's a great thing, but you're going up against um, one of the greatest USAPL lifters of all time. And it's a situation. And even if you look at 2021, if you're just going to, again, ask me who's going to have the better performance, he barring, you know, maybe a bomb out or an injury. I don't see Dennis losing 120. I, I see him winning it easily. So, and then with cans, a lot of things, a lot, a lot of things have to go right in order for him to win 93, which is a stack weight class. So I think he's looking at three to five range. Um, and I think you know, Dennis is overwhelmingly number one. So it looks like we're both in agreement here. Dennis moving on to the next round against another contentious debate here. This one's, yep. this one might upset some people just based yeah, on how I this don't, goes. I don't have my mind made up on this one. Me neither. I don't know. We have number 10, Ray Williams, and number two, Austin Perkins. And the only minds who have been made up is the fans, and the fans, very close vote as well. I think it was 56% for Ray Williams to Austin Perkins. And here's what I just want to say right now. Austin, here it is. You're not underrated anymore. You are not underrated. It's over. It's not even funny to joke about anymore. You're not underrated. You can never say you're underrated because you, the fans just acknowledge that you are just as good as the best lifter in USAPL history, according to some. The face of the USAPL, the most popular recognizable face in the USAPL, beat you by like 9% on voting for who's going to have the better performance in Raw National. So that's it. That's it, Austin. This is it. If you ever think you're underrated, listen to this recording. And talk yourself out of it because you're no longer underrated. You are perfectly rated as it is. But, and on top of that, we are going to have a serious debate here on who moves on because I think a lot of people assume because who Ray Williams is, he is going to move on in this matchup. But when you factor in all the things on our criteria of who's a winner and loser and how we decide seedings, the debate gets really messy. It get, it gets hard to justify Ray moving on. Because when you yeah. factor in recent performances, Austin has obviously had better performances. The dude doesn't miss. And Ray Williams seems to be a little bit on a downward trajectory in his career. Yeah, I mean, if you look, I mean, if this was Lifter A versus Lifter B, and all you, you didn't see names and you saw nothing, actually feel like it would be I if I just did that alone I'd probably go perk yeah because 
the last two meets of Ray is unfortunately he got that weird stomach bug illness, lost a ton of weight and bombed out at worlds. He came back at nationals and we do know we talked about this. He doesn't do well at nationals, but in 2018, he went 2364 in 2019. He went 2066. He went down 300 pounds on his total. Yeah. Now, the good thing is, since it's in the summer, he should seemingly be able to come back and do better. And it, it actually, I was pretty set that I was going to go perk until we literally, as we're about to start recording, we saw that Ray just posted today. Yeah. Because that's one of his first posts of doing any kind of legitimate weight in a while that I've seen. And it wasn't, I know he usually doesn't squat, like, what is his max, like his max in the gym. But I think it was like 835, we said, for a double. Yeah, I believe That's so. Good. That's good. But I'm pretty sure he was hitting like 900-ish for doubles in his heyday. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, uh, that is a, that is a factor. Just we have no idea what Ray is up to, what he's doing, how his training is going, any of that stuff. Like, uh, especially now with like coronavirus, like we just don't know these things. And there's no reason for him to really do meets in the meantime. But what we do know is Perkins' progress. And I said this initially, Perkins is, he, he performs about as well as anyone in the USAPL. He's young. He has a little bit more of, he has a small database as far as the other lifters. But what you see on Instagram or we see him hitting in the gym is going to be very close to what you see him hit on the platform because he's not a big weight cut guy. He's a small 74. So he doesn't have to weight cut. Nothing is changing really between his squat bench and deadlift. Everything is going to stay the same. So I could always count on him going eight for eight for nine, nine for nine. And he does that. You know, he has this incredible meet getting him into raw nationals. I believe it was at collegiate nationals. Gets him into Raw Nationals, kills it at Raw Nationals, takes second place, and then takes that meet, builds up momentum, and does something much better. And actually accomplishes the goal that all these 74s wanted to hit, 800. And in the meantime, Ray has stayed pretty stagnant. So yeah, with Ray, I mean... It's hard to go against him because Peak Ray wins this. Yeah. Like he, went, he probably wins this whole thing. You get Peak Ray back in 2019, or like in coming off of the Arnold and he's going into nationals and we don't have this bomb out in situation at Worlds. He's winning. Like he, he is the overall champion for this. And so it's really hard not just immediately say Ray, but like I said, if we, if we, if we close our, get our shutters on and we really think about the last two years, we take away the names and the hype of the names. The person coming into this meet with a lot more momentum right now is Perkins. Um, and while Ray, I, I mean, you can't, you can't count him out. I think we're both considering him the favorite until Jesus dethrones him. There's a high chance he gets dethroned. I mean, Ray's going to have to come back and actually probably have his best nationals performance because his best nationals performance before is 2386 because he never does better at nationals. I see Jesus possibly going twenty three eighty six. Yeah, absolutely. The Ray's gonna Ray Ray can win. We're gonna we're gonna go with Ray's the favorite, but he could also lose. So that's where it's tough. Like we see Ray's ceiling is one, his floor is two, 
We see perks, ceiling, and floors kind of too. So if you're going with that, I mean, Ray's got the edge there, but like I could very well see Ray not winning. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest argument for Ray. It's the fact that he is the favorite for Super Heavies. He has continuously won the Super Heavies since at least I can remember since getting into powerlifting. Ray was always the guy to dominate his weight class and the entirety of the USAPL. But this is a newsflash for some people listening. Someone can regress. And if someone regresses, people eventually surpass that person. A person that you might have thought to be unbeatable or unsurpassable. I think right now, this is what's happening. I think he is on a bit of a downward trajectory, and because of that, other competitors are going to have, say, better meets than him. And... I, I don't know if it's as fair to constantly use his the, his past performances and the very fact that he's a favorite to win Super Heavies. Because if this was 2019, Ronette, if we just bring this back a little bit, I would say Ray is beating Perkins because he's the overwhelming favorite to win Super Heavies. Right now, he is the favorite, but not the overwhelming favorite. Jesus definitely has a good chance of beating him. I actually say he has a better chance of beating Ray than Perk has of beating Austin, uh, of beating Atwood. Yes, completely agree. So I, I don't know how much that factors into the opinion, but again, I for always all of my arguments, is it's going to turn down to, all right, you have to pick one or the other who is going to have a better meet at 2021 Raw Nationals. Who are you picking? And I can't bring myself to say Ray Williams would. I just, I, I, at this point, I just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, t- I mean, my initial reaction was Ray. I mean, even so Austin posted up, oh, it's over now because he's against Ray, but like, that's because we have Ray on a pedestal. And I think, I mean, something we just see untested, tested, whatever it is, these, these super heavyweights, they tend to have a little bit, a shorter lifespan in the sport. And I think that's just because of the raw amount of weight they're lifting. They, yeah. they don't tend to be dominant for 10 plus years. Like some of the lower weight class lifters can be like a, a uh, Sergey Fedosienko at 59 kilo, just every year winning for what 15 years. I don't know how long. Um, it's just tough sometimes. And I think it's going to be, could Ray get back to old Ray? Yes. But I think it's going to be very, very difficult. And I don't think I've seen anything in his training that would warrant me thinking that, He's there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I, if I take away the name Ray Williams, I'm saying Austin Perkins. Yeah, and it's a hard one to, because even with that, you're talking about someone with a bad performance could potentially win Super Heavies. Mm -hmm. And with a poor performance, Austin Perkins doesn't win 74s. I mean, at all. He actually might come, I mean, actually, I don't know if he would come third. What's a bad performance for Austin Perkins? Probably low-end 780 or 790, which I think C would be up there. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying to find ways to talk myself out of Perkins right now because I'm having a hard time picking against Ray. But I, I think when it's all said and done and we look at the good lift points, if I'm going to make a prediction, you could potentially see Austin Perkins being number two on mm-hmm. or number three on good lift points. 
Yeah, he could be the second best lifter in all the USAPL, but he's just losing to the best lifter in all the USAPL. Yeah, so you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to pull the trigger here. I say Perkins is my choice for this uh this matchup. All right. I'm Perk too. This is gonna be this is gonna be the big upset on the guy's side, I think, that we'll we'll see what people say, but Oh and people um, are gonna hate this shit. People yeah. are gonna hate it. <laughs> Perk can like you said, Perk can never say he's underrated ever again. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, Perk. You want to be you want to be respected. Well, we're giving you respect, and it might become into people uh, hating you more for that, <laughs> because uh, Ray Williams is still, I think, the face of the USAPL. But I, and there's I, nothing I would love more than to see Ray be back to Ray. I would love that. Yeah, like, I, I want that so bad. I just, I mean, by I the just, way, we're we're doing a great job, just, you know, based on how the both of like just based on our size and our build picking against the only two super heavyweights on this list and seeing how we could defend ourselves against them. But probably probably a wise decision on both of our parts. Fortunately, both those heavyweights are kind of teddy bears, so they're nice guys. I, I trust that they'll just give us a hug and say they forgive us. I hope so. I, I mean, I, I, I hope Jesus does. I don't know Ray Williams, but I hope Jesus does. But, yeah, I mean, I think both of us combined can't beat either of them in a fight. So... Even and then if you do tag team, it's over. We're 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 done for. But we have Austin Perkins uh, moving on to the next round. Uh, I would qualify this upset, even though it's two first ten seed. But um, yeah, I can't wait to uh, deal with that hate um, this whole week. It's gonna be fun. All right, now to the females side of things. We have the notorious lift region. We have the first matchup: number one Amanda Lawrence versus number eight. Chris and Dunsmore, um, fans voting heavy in the favor of Amanda Lawrence, and I would compare her to Ashton Rouska in the sense on the women's side. Just yeah, I mean, she's even got, she's got one up on Rouska because she's actually won a a recent world title and a national title. So yeah, no, no, it's a juggernaut, just an absolute so, juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, Kristen, I really Kristen's training looks like it's going really good, and I'm excited to see oh, that. Like, she, I am. She, she's going to be very competitive again. It's just like he's going against Amanda. It's a, it's Amanda Lawrence. Like that's the that's the only thing. It's Amanda Lawrence. Really, every female on this list will have a difficult matchup in powerlifting competition to Amanda Lawrence. Every actually every female lifter in the world will have an issue with Amanda Lawrence. She's the Ray Williams on the other side. And he, exactly what you said. Actually, has a little bit more accolades. World champion, national champion, has the most recent meet. Has the highest good lift points of all time. Um, I don't know if you look at Dots, Wilkes, the very, very short-lived IPF score. Uh, Amanda Lawrence is ahead on all those things. And like you said, Kristen Dunsmore looks fantastic in her training. And if there is a female division I'm more excited to see than 69, I really can't think of one. 69KG is going to be a really, really good show uh, with... We mentioned Chandler Babb, and we're going to mention her later. But Kirsten Dunsmore is up there, too. And based on someone coming back from injury, setbacks, seeming to put it all together, I think uh, Christie is in the is in a very good position to do that. But you have the unfortunate seeding of eight, first one, and Amanda Lawrence is at one seed. And it's not necessarily a Taylor Atwood first Jesus Oliveris debate. It's, it's someone who is... 
continuously been the highest, the best lifter overall um, since around 2019 in the IPF. So, yeah. And Kristen's, like I said, she's doing really good, but she doesn't, she's not even, she'd have to really, she had to do really good to challenge Chandler back. So I, I kind of see her ceiling right now as second. Yeah. And obviously Amanda's going to probably run away with first off of her openers and she's likely going to win best overall female lifter um, barring some performances that we haven't seen from uh, Heather Connor or Daniela Mello. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All right. So we're going to have Amanda Lawrence moving on that. I think that's a three Oh sweep on her part. Uh, next one, we have those ever interesting five first four matchups. Marissa Inda first Jennifer Milliken and when we have an easy decision with the first one, this one is a lot more difficult. Yeah, this one's tough. This one's going to be one that I came down to like a, a tiebreaker scenario. Because if I'm looking at them, they're, they're pretty even when it comes to like how their training's looking. They both look like they're doing decent. Now, both of them, I don't, it's hard to see from what they're doing if they're going to be able to improve upon their total. I mean, if you're looking at both of them, they, they've kind of been around the same area for the last couple of years. And they, neither of them competed during COVID or the last, so we haven't seen much. And my assumption is, is they're going to bring a similar total, if not a little bit better. If they do, Jennifer Milliken still is looking at second in her class because she's going against Sam Calhoun. Marissa Enda is looking at a very uh, back and forth battle with Andrea Riley. Yeah. Now we're going to get to Andrea. I think based off of looking at Andrea's training, she might be the favorite, but I can't count out Marissa as possibly winning. Yeah. She has been in this uh, scenario before. She has continually come out on top at USAPL Raw Nationals in the 52-kilo division. 52-kilo and 63, they're both decently competitive. 63 is probably a little bit more competitive. But if I'm going all, like, they're just pretty much even. I can't even go back in time and say who's better because they're both former IPF world champs, national champs. They've got all the accolades even going back. That can't be a tiebreaker. The only tiebreaker I have is what is their potential ceiling within their weight class going into this Raw Nationals. And it looks like Marissa is the one that has a chance to win her weight class. And I'm not sure Jennifer does. Yeah, that's really it right there for me too, is deciding between two extremely close lifters who are almost identical with what they've accomplished in their career and what they seem to be able to accomplish in future meets. And I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I, and no matter, no matter what the situation is, if you win the weight class, I think you just still have to have some sort of you have to have the nod unless there's a huge massive discrepancy between good lift points and totals. And that won't be the case with Inda and Milliken. There just won't be. There won't be, you know, a more impressive, say, if Milliken gets second or third, as opposed to Inda's first. Now, we're gonna get to like you said, we're gonna get to Andrea Riley soon because I don't necessarily I mean it, it, there's it's not like he's the overwhelming favorite Marissa but I I just I could see her winning the weight class. That's that's about it. I could see her winning her weight class if Marissa Inda end up ends up winning fifty twos. I'd be like, yep, that's pretty much what we're used to, and that is what we're accustomed to. So her winning it wouldn't surprise me. If Milliken wins sixty three, that would really surprise me because that would I, I I think it's a it's a more competitive division, and especially with the top lifter. In the weight class, the top lifter is Sam Calhoun, which I think is one of the three best female lifters in the USAPL right now. Yeah. So, yep, agreed. So, 
I got Marissa Inda. I, I vote based on that. Extremely close. It was close on the. It was close on the uh, the fan votes too. Fan votes had Marissa Inda m- moving through uh, to the next round, but that man, it was almost like a Keiko Lewis situation because it turns into that weird that that tiebreaker of just past accolades, which we couldn't even turn to, and future success, which we can't even turn to, and it's just really. Who has the more competitive weight class and who has a chance to win their weight class more? And that's always a tough decision to make. Yeah, it was much closer than I thought. Marissa Inda is one of the most popular lifters in the IPF and USAPL. And yeah. she had 62% of the vote. So Marissa Inda, extremely popular lifter. Uh, and I, I would say Jennifer Milliken is too, but doesn't have that mainstream kind of thing that Marissa does. But yeah, I, I would go with Marissa on this one. Yeah, Marissa for me. All right. Well, that would move her on to the next round. We have number six, Chandler Babb, versus number three, Sam Calhoun. And this one, I think, is just an unfortunate seating. Because I just said, you know, Sam Calhoun is probably one of the three best lifters in the USAPL and IPF. And on a given day... Maybe Sam Calhoun takes that number two seed from Bonica Brown. Mm-hmm. And we have a little bit different seeding here, which you know might give that might yield different matchups. But this one is you're talking about two potential national champions going up against each other. You, now it just turns to who's going to be the more impressive lifter of the two. Because I think we both we both think that Chandler Babb is the consensus 69 kg national champion, and I think more than me and you, I think the rest of the Two White Lights audience definitely think Sam Calhoun is the 63kg favorite. So it just comes down to who's the more impressive lifter or who's going to be the most most impressive yeah. lifter. I mean, we already said Chandler Babb is seemingly the most underrated uh, person on this list and is going to have the most to gain from Raw Nationals when she has her coming out party. I'm, I mean, if, if she was against either Marissa Ender or Jennifer Milliken, I'd choose Chandler Babb. I mean, she's barring something crazy. She yeah. looks like she's going to dominate 69 kilo. Yeah. The issue is she's just going against Sam, who looks like she's going to dominate 63 kilo. Yeah, I and think Sam, Sam has been, she's, I mean, it's hard to compare because there isn't an American record total for 69, but I mean, okay. Sam already holds the American record total and seemingly probably will go to beat that. Um, so she's got that under her belt too. She obviously has the past accolades, um, for sure in the tiebreaker over Chandler Babb. Um, and then, yeah, so that, that's just a tough one because Chandler really could have upset a lot of higher seeds in this bracket. It's just that Sam honestly, maybe a bit underrated at three. Yeah. And, uh, especially when you really can't, I mean, there's a lot of people on this list who are seated high, who you can actually possibly count on for having a bad performance. We're going to get to some soon, uh, based on just performances that they have at bigger stages. Sam Calhoun is not one of those people. He's a person who competes very well, but I think even in 63, when you look at even his raw nationals, which that's what we're doing right now is just raw nationals. Um, Sam Calhoun, I think, competition lies more so in the internationals. Yeah, with I think it's Joy Namani is the person I think actually won Worlds in 2019 over Sam, maybe? Uh, I, I believe that was Colorado Gata, the Italian. 
Can we check that right now? Just so it's a fact check. I believe Khalil uh, one. Yes, you're right. Joy Namani is. I'm wrong. That's I, I had the, I had it right in the wrong weight class. That was Marissa Inda. So uh, yeah, Namani won. For yeah, 52 kilo. No, 63. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You got Leah Bobois, Kalora, and Sam. Yeah, that's gonna. That right there is going to really be the. The, the competition I think Sam is looking forward to. And whenever yeah. you're combined with those two, which, by the way, I, I maybe this might be biased and getting a little, a little bit of tangent here, but how underrated is Kalora Gara for being <laughs> beat, beating those yeah. two people and, like, no one having a clue who she was? Now, that's just because you know, it's just Italy is kind of disconnected from the rest of powerlifting, I feel like. I mean, I think France, we kind of know about France because there's that one little bunker with all of those lifters, and that's kind of how we get to know about them. Italy, I, I don't. I think you're the only one that has connections since you speak fluent and you travel there often to Rome with um, <laughs> your, your family, but otherwise, uh, I just don't know much about Italian powerlifting. My, my family's yeah, in, my family's in Calabria. My family's in Calabria. Thank you very much. We're not that northern. We are very southern Italian, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I always just found it funny with all the sixty threes. Um, I think people like always peg it up between Leah and Sam, and it's actually Carora who is the defending champion. But yeah, within this one, um, getting back onto Raw Nationals, I think it's clear that Sam moves on. I think possibly, you know, if we recede these things, or if you go twenty twenty two, I think Sam is a two or one seed. I think you could potentially see that. You could see her being a two, definitely a two seed. Um, Chandler Babb could be a two seed next year. We're yeah, or or Chandler Babb gets a yeah, but if Chandler Babb gets a three seed, he gets a he gets a matchup like that's a little bit more that's a little different. So yeah, I I think yeah a lot of I mean I guess with the new weight class, there's gonna be a lot of weird things that are gonna happen. Like because it's going like we said last episode, it is going to surprise people. If Chandler Babb wins 69 kg, no matter what, we can talk every single episode on two white lights up to Raw Nationals, but powerlifters are so goddamn focused on their phones and who they follow and who has the biggest following that they're going to be constantly hypnotized by that and they won't listen to a podcast. They won't watch like a YouTube thing. They won't actually have conversations with these powerlifters. They will still be surprised if Chandler Babb wins 69 kilos. Yeah. And one of the things, too, some of these people don't get known. I mean, one of the ways you get known is you have a coach that's well-known. Yeah. And that actually happens, I think, more often on the women's side. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think oh, it seems more often women don't just tend to go to, like, a popular coach. They go to a coach they have more of a personal relationship with where guys just they see who has the most Instagram followers, and that's going to be their coach. Yeah. So Chandler Babb, uh, I don't know who – I looked it up. I, I'm not familiar with the coach, but I think that's one of the reasons, too. She was coached by Joey Flex. We'd all know oh, who yeah. she was. Well, Joey Joey would gas her. Same thing with you. It was Team Nori. Team, you know, Noriega would post on the story. Um, you know, TSA would post on the story or something. Like, it, it'll be known that they're coached by that person. Just if everyone's, if everyone's low-key, the lifter and the coach, then no one's really going to see it. And they're just not – interested in doing that but i just think it's it's going to be a very funny situation that we're going to say this so many times or we could even say this is more of a certainty it's going to be a real dogfight in the 69 kilo division between three females and people will still be surprised 
Yep. People will still be surprised about it. It's funny. It's just, it's very, it's a funny, that's a, it's a funny thing that's only going to happen in this sport. Chandler is shaping up to be this year's Christina Paracci. Yeah. I would say Christina, I mean, Christina Paracci though, like. I'm saying Christina from 2019. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, I, I know, but I even think then she was still a little bit more popular. Yeah, she was a little more popular than Chandler, but yeah. I don't think she was as popular until and well, even with that, I think Chandler could win and people don't even remember it. That's yeah. kind of happened to Christina, unfortunately. Is like a lot of that's she's 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 very underrated. Yeah. Uh, well, I so, I yeah. think I think the twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one has a factor in that because I think yeah, a lot of a lot of momentum was built for her, and then we just didn't have a competition after that. Like we didn't have a nationals yeah. after that because and I think I said I think the same thing happened with Bryce. Bryce won in 2019. So much has happened since 2019. We didn't have something in the meantime that Bryce could do something to, to you know, to say, because again, powerlifters have a shit attention span. They just do. They don't focus on things that doesn't happen immediately. And they quickly forget about things that doesn't happen immediately either. I guess same applies for most sports fans, but powerlifters are worse in that sense. It just, you have to do something in 2020 in order for them to, you know, uh, keep, keep them or keep them occupied and keep their, the attention on you. Yep. For sure. So, but with that being said, with all the great things you said about Chandler Babb, um, we have two potential national champions and I personally think Sam Calhoun is more impressive of the two. So I've have her moving on. What about you, Steve? Yep. Sam Calhoun for me. All right. And the fans also agreed with that too. So Sam Calhoun will face the winner of this next matchup. Seven first two, Chloe Dublin first Bonica Brown. And I wouldn't Bonica Brown is not underrated in this sense because she's number two. But she's underrated in the sense that she is just one of the most dominant females on this list. Just yeah, constantly racking up wins. She doesn't get as much attention because she's I don't even think at Worlds she has competition. She just she's never really had competition. I feel like I don't know if on the equip side maybe she does a little bit, but at least on the raw side, I don't think at Worlds or at Nationals she really has much competition. So just the fact is, it's just it's not as intriguing sometimes because I mean that's why Nationals and Worlds is so appealing because not only get to see these lifters do amazing things, we get to see them actually compete versus like a local meet where you just walk in, you do your lifts and you, you walk out. So, um, so yeah, I think Monica definitely kind of gets overlooked sometimes for that. And people forget, I mean, how dominant she's been. Chloe, obviously she's past national champion. Um, the, the issue we have here is her moving up to a weight class with Daniela Mello in it. Um, Chloe looks like she very well could be getting in that second place range. She probably is looking somewhere in that second to fourth range. We just, we don't know much because she doesn't post much. So I'm not sure how her training's going, but assuming there's progression, assuming the weight class increase helps a little bit. I think we very well could see her possibly battle for second place, but that's going to be her ceiling since she's got Daniela at the top there um, where Bonica is going to be the heavy, heavy favorite um, to be winning 84 kg this yeah. year and probably in years to come too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I think more the more interesting debates with Bonica is going to be with her matchup against other lifters like Amanda Lawrence or Danielle Mello or Sam Calhoun, like who then who is more impressive. But I think right now 
if you're comparing her to Chloe Dublin, which, by the way, with Chloe Dublin, this is something I think that the fact that she's moving up to 76, in spite of her lose, uh, has a doesn't have a great chance of beating Daniela Mello, but that battle of second place between her and Jasmine Patton is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, that is well, going to be one of the Thurston as well. Dana might be in there a little bit. Um, I did see her. I did find her meet recap and it looks like those lists were pretty tough so i think the weight cut was tough for dana so that 507 she's now hit is legitimate so she's she's gonna have a, a i don't i'm not sure she's gonna battle for second we'll see kind of how she progresses maybe being at that weight longer helps with her get back to that 537 but i mean i we're i think we're gonna see jasmine chloe and isla have a, a yeah. very good battle for second yeah, I think it's very similar to the 83s where I think one and two is set. Battle for third is going to be great. I think – and and with this, a second place in 76 does hold a lot of value. It does hold a lot of value. One, because you're getting an IPF world spot. That IPF world position is going to be up for balance now or is it going to be up for play in that sense. But with that, it's you are facing some real high-level premier lifters. Um, and that weight class, I think, is going to be super interesting moving forward. Um, and even though possibly number one is set, no guarantees in powerlifting, but possibly number one is set, two through four and two through five is going to be fantastic between uh, Jasmine, Chloe, mainly that matchup because what happened at 2019 Raw Nationals. The story's already set. Like It was between them yeah. towards the last pull. Jasmine, in my opinion, he gets a terrible uh, call on her deadlift. And then you throw in Dana and uh, Thurston in the mix, too. You have this really interesting weight class, very similar to 69s, but we have a potential juggernaut uh, sitting at number one. But, yeah, I think I, I really think that matchup is going to be great. Uh, I can't really – it's hard for me to decide between – now, that would have been an interesting seating, Chloe Dublin versus Tasman Penn. Yes. That, that would have been, been very been interesting. Actually, all four of them. Yeah, you throw, I mean, uh, maybe uh, like an alternate bracket here would be good. Just go based on this, like, uh, we. I mean, we have a lot of time till Nationals. We could definitely break down weight class to weight class. But between Thurston, Dana, Jasmine, and Chloe, who's the best out of those four? And rank those four accordingly. That's going to be a really interesting conversation yeah. just because they're all really impressive. It's interesting, but it's going to be near impossible since I don't think I think maybe Jasmine's the only one posting training. I think Dana does a little bit, but Isla deactivated her Instagram and Chloe doesn't post training. Yeah. So that's just the just the tough one from a powerlifting sports reporter side is uh, we need, we're in the dark on something. We need more people in the field. We need to yes. hire some people in the field here. We got to have a uh, Midland correspondent. We got to have a hybrid correspondent to get Daniela Mello's Park, training. Where's Park at? Why is he not our Midland correspondent? We're hyping him up. Well, because I think that I think that's uh, yeah. that's that's beneath him. A reporter, a journalist job is beneath Perk. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think we've uh, we've gassed him up a little bit too much on the show, but um, yeah, we need we need some correspondence to be like, okay, this is what's going on here. We need some ins- we need some insiders to be in training camp right now in order for us to get an accurate read. But um, yeah, with that being said, Bonica moves on to the next round uh, and. I the the matchups with her are gonna be interesting moving forward, in my opinion. Yeah, the next the next we'll, we'll have some fun in that discussion of Sam versus Monica. I think that one I don't know, I have no idea, but that's for next time. Yeah. 
All right, now back to the men with the Stoic region. We have number one, Ashton Rowska, versus number nine, Delaney Wallace. And uh, I apologize to Delaney Wallace now. Yeah, sorry, Delaney. Yes. Uh, Ashton Rowska is the juggernaut on the male side. He's ridiculous. His subtotals are amazing. When he has a shitty meet, it's still like arguably the best three lifter ratings, good lift point wise in the USAPL and IPF. It's hard to compete against that. And Delaney Wallace, we we spoke about it last time. I actually pulled off, in our opinion, an upset against Ellis McLean moving forward. I think a lot of people didn't have him in there. Right now, I think he's most people's favorite to be third and eighty three. And based on what I've talked to, people think that people think we're underselling him on an eight fifteen to eight twenty range. People think that eight twenty five and eight thirty is potentially going his wheelhouse based on his training so far. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I could see eight twenty five, eight thirty. I, I still think that's that's third. That still doesn't really change my opinion. It's yeah, third it could be. And if he totals eight thirty, if he totals eight thirty three. He's not better than Ashton Rowska. No. <laughs> so that's the thing. That's based on this matchup. No. Uh he need to be totaling eight fifty plus to be in the conversation. Yeah. I mean I mean actually a guy that we might like Jamar Royster just put up a gym total of eight fifty. So like when you get that drop off there, it's still an incredibly impressive some uh, like total for an eighty three, even if you total something eight twenty. But in the spirit of this competition in the March Madness sense, when you go against Ashton Rowska, you got to use that total, that the hypothetical total that we're giving Delaney Wallace, and it's not anywhere near Ashton Rowska's actual total. Yeah, yeah, especially with, I mean, Ashton has the strength to go over 2,100. It's there. Um, the last meet, I think you might have mentioned it, but he was just tired. He usually works out in the morning, and he had to lift at night, and he literally was just tired. Yeah. Like, and I, I know I think he's going to change his, depending on when the, schedule is and when he's lifting. Yeah, he might well, I think you'd still be listening. Yeah, you'd be lifting in the afternoon this time. Yeah, so that'll help him with that. Um, if he ever lifts at night again, I think you mentioned him and Marcel's mentioned they're going to change his sleep schedule a bit. But, I mean, like, he, he had the strength for 2,100 um, plus. And so, if he does that, that's that's going to be tough for, I mean, I, I can only see one or two people on this list that can be in the discussion with him yeah. if he's doing that. Yeah, I, it, it's hard. He like we said something with Amanda Lawrence on the women's side. It's just you know they're they're number one and two on good lift points, respectfully, in their age division. So you can kind of tell where matchups are going to go whenever they're involved in them, and even conversations. I mean, we just had I mean three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we we're talking about Ashton Rowska, you know, competing at the showdown and possibly winning. Yeah. Right. And I think Amanda Lawrence, if she decided to go on the uh, the untested uh, John Hack route, will possibly be saying the same thing. Possibly top three in showdown. So yeah, raw. Yeah. Raw. If you took Amanda, if you take twenty twenty, she's ranked. And I'll say twenty nineteen. Amanda's ranked fifth. If you take untested and tested women on dots. Yeah. Yeah, eliminating eliminating some people that haven't competed recently, but yeah, I mean Amanda's, yeah, another hemisphere, and so is Ashton. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a clean sweep here. Fans voted heavily on the side of Ashton Rowska. Um, moving on to the next round, facing the winner of five first thirteen, Connor Borkert 
first. Jonathan Garcia, both. Some people would consider Borkin moving on as an upset. I disagree. He lost on fans voting. But a lot of people uh, were questioning the Garcia C decision that we both made. And um, after after I articulated my my points, people uh, eventually agreed that Garcia should be moving on to the next round. So battle the unrateds here, underrateds here. This one is hard. This one was difficult for me. This one was something I think I have to come up with on air. Who is my winner? Uh, for for Borkert, he won on fans voting. Very close, by the way. This is where I approve of the two white lights voting. It was very close. It was 55 to 45. That's fair. I have no problems with that. Jonathan Garcia getting 13% of the vote last round. I had a big problem with that. This is fair. It was in favor of Borker, 55 to 45. So we had the fans vote there. But when you break down these two lifters, deciding who's the better lifter in 2021 Raw Nationals is extremely difficult. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, one of the things, I tried to backtrack a bit to make this kind of thing because this would have made a decision for me. I tried to think, okay, if we voted Garcia over C, what about Borkert versus C? And just, Quick little breakdown. I would have taken Borkert over C because it just simply yeah. Borkert looks to be second, C looks to be third. That sets that. Um, I literally almost this, I, I probably two days ago picked Garcia and don't think it about it a ton. I, I, I love Connor. I, I talk about, I joke about like the dude has the most beautiful squad on this planet and the strength shows from it. Um, yeah. He is the SSB king of the USAPL, FYI. Um, maybe you are number one at 83, though. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess I can't be that mad at a title that I gave myself ironically. So, And people had to tell me that I was good at it because I had no idea I was even good at it. Literally what kind of changed my mind is Daniel Clements repping out 640 for four. I already said I think Daniel was my favorite, but I can't say he's going to win. I think him, Rodrigo... And Jonathan are all in the battle to win. But after that, Daniel literally looks like he might go 1,600. Yeah. And if he goes 1,600, I still got to say Jonathan possibly win. But that bumps him down just a touch, even if he, even if he does go like 1,550 or 1,560, because he would get second. But with that, I don't know. I, this is one I still don't know, because I, I still have to say we haven't seen – I mean, we haven't seen a 60 – the 66 lifters other than Jonathan compete recently at 66, Daniel missed weight. So Jonathan still has to have a ceiling at first. He could still win. I very much see Jonathan having a perfect meet. If someone else messes up, he can win. Connor is solidified as second, but his second in 93 as much or the same impressive as winning first in 66 because of the competitiveness at 93. I, I I just don't think we could really use that argument. I think if you win 60... I think comparing the two, even if you use your argument, this is where I'm stuck, is Borkert looks to be number two in 93. Keiko is putting together this total that I don't see and you don't see really anyone surpassing at Raw Nationals. At 66, Garcia might be on the same... might, might be on the same playing field... 
as Borker in the sense that Clemens looks like he's about to put together a total that we don't see people surpassing at 66. So right there, they're just like hand in hand in the balancing thing. I just, it, it just, what do you value more? A second place spot at 66 or a second place spot at 93? One of the things I'm going to bring, we are, I'm going to bring up this for the next matchup too, is sometimes it's hard to compare in weight classes. But like, let's take, like, let's say we were comparing weight classes. Let's say we take Jonathan Garcia and let's say he hits a 1600 total, 1600. That would be a massive PR. That would put him seventh in the 74s. If Connor Borker goes from 860 to 875, which I think is very, very doable, that puts him sixth in the 105s. Okay. Unfortunately, but that's that full. doesn't that's... help us much because it's yeah. the same again, and we're back to square one of I don't know. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's both of them. I mean, yeah, that's it, it's that's how close they are. There's, that's there's so many tie. There's so all the tiebreakers. I don't have anything here, and I think. Since I don't think I can make up some perfect argument for either of them, I've how I, I got to stick with what I've been saying over and over is what is their ceiling? Jonathan is the one of the two that could win his weight class, and I'm putting a priority and emphasis on people who are going to win their weight class. Yeah, and I, man, I. I would have to agree because I mean, really, it's 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 crazy because if Daniel Clements has a different meet that he actually does compete at sixty six, we're all saying that he's the overall favorite to win, um, and we're not like Garcia. Garcia might not be in the same conversation in that sense because I think Clemens could put together a total that's going to be very hard to surpass, but and we're gonna get we're gonna get to Daniel Clemens soon, but I would have to agree with you. Like, I have, I think Garcia has a better chance of winning 66 than Borkert. Has a chance of winning 93. And even, yeah, even if you take the totals moving up, they're about the same. So, I'm going to have to go with Garcia on this one. Yeah, I mean, the other tick, too. Connor probably isn't setting the American record total. Jonathan very well seemingly looks like he can break Charles Okpoka's American record total. It just might be broken by someone else too. That's even higher. Yeah. And that's where it's tough. Like if I find if, if Jonathan gets second and Connor gets second, Connor wins this matchup, but it's just the but, fact that but, you there's know, a possibility that Jonathan wins. But you know, here's, but here's the thing. I, I mean, I might just, here's the thing based on what I see from Connor, he looks so primed to constantly improve upon himself. Not saying that Garcia doesn't, but I see, I, I actually see the top end being higher for Connor based on just, well, I mean, based on his training. This is this is a guy. He's actually almost perfect. The Instagram thing because he posts his training and he does it from a very honest perspective. Coaching. I also have the same coach, so sometimes I asked for insight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he's very. I, he's like. like the, I get a little pre-meet breakdowns because I go ask about Connor because I wonder what he's going to do. So, but I mean, okay. Like I said, two days ago, I'm picking Garcia, but I, I am saying Daniel Clements is the heavy favorite. I said 1,600. I don't know if Jonathan can do 1,600. I think he can do 1,555. If he gets second at 1,555 and Connor gets second at 875 in a much more competitive weight class, in my opinion, then that goes to Connor then. I mean, Connor could also 
I almost say it with based off Daniel, this is just us theorizing how good he's gonna do. Daniel looks like it's gonna do something crazy. Connor just has, I feel like almost has just as much chance to pick off Keiko having a bad meet where Jonathan seemingly is going to need Daniel to have a bad meet as well to pick him off. Yeah. That, that would, that would make them more even. Right. Like I think, see, Keiko has to have a really bad meet. I think. Yeah. He had to have a really bad meet. I, as I think is Keiko's on that brink of 2k. Yeah, I mean Garcia and Clements and Manzo is closer. It's we we don't know who's going to win that. That's why it's a question mark. If whoever wins that immediately elevates themselves, yeah, and honestly, I mean, just because of the competitiveness of the weight class, whoever gets second kind of gets a little bit of a downtick, unfortunately, in my opinion, um, just because it's not as deep of a weight class. And I'm going to discuss the. I mean, I'm going to discuss in the next one when we talk about Dan and Sean. Is like if these 66 lifters go up to 74. There's a big discrepancy there. There's Here's, not a, I mean, 93 is not a big discrepancy. Those guys are performing very close to the weight classes above them. This is an, this is a scenario that I just played on my head. And I know it doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to share it anyways. If I'm closing my eyes, I could see Borker killing it at 2021 Raw Nationals. That's it. That's, that's it. I could see him going nine for nine, just completely destroying it, possibly still being second, but still, I, I could envision that. I can envision Garcia missing a few lifts based on just I, – I, I've seen – I yeah, actually seen Garcia do it. For that. Other than his last meet, he's had some issues with missing lifts. Yeah. That, like, Borker is such a good executioner that that's – that's like I, when I close my eyes and I see that. We can't argue against either coach on game day calls because you got both – you got the head coach of Team USAPL or Team USA and Aaron Kinesi with Jonathan Garcia, and you got a former assistant coach and Brad Cooley are with Connor Borker. Oh, so God, yeah. Handle, handle a lifter on meet day in a battle. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny, too, that uh, we're having this debate and, like, these two guys are in, like, the, it's such a huge disparity in weight classes. Yes. Well, that's why this one's tough. This is a big disparity. I think it's the bit – I think – I don't know. Taylor Atwood versus Jesus is the biggest disparity, or Perkins versus Ray. But other than that, this one's 66 to 93 is, is tough to compare. And it's just tough to compare anyone to 66 just because it's just a lot of question marks. And like I said, two days ago, there wasn't as much of a question mark for me. But now with Daniel Clements seemingly stealing the show, it's training, but no one else is deadlifting 640, and he just did it for four reps. Yeah. So well, he's going to go over 700 on his pull. All right. If he goes over 700 on his pull, Daniel Clements goes 1,600, and Jonathan Garcia is not beating that. I'm going Connor Borker. I'm just saying it. Oh, that was a real flip-flop. Well, it's 2-1 to one, then. Um, I'd pick Garcia just because that's how close it is. But your argument yeah. completely makes sense. Okay. I can't get that mad over it. I can't get that mad because I think this was this it's was just- the hardest one. We're really just picking who gets to go against Ashton, and we know what. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we had this long debate, the probably the longest debate we've had in a matchup, and then the next round is going to be whoever goes against Ashton. So that will be Connor. Um, I again, I have no issues with that. I I guess I disagree in a sense, but I could totally understand where your logic is on this one. Yeah, and I'm okay with it too because, like I said, I would pick Connor over C. If I pick C over Connor, I can't pick Connor over Garcia. No. That wouldn't make sense. But I'd pick Connor over C because I think both. I think I mean, 
Yeah, I think C and Connor are actually pretty close, and Jonathan just kind of like squeezes right in the middle there. Literally, if I did power rankings, I think he squeezes right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So we got Connor moving on to next round. One first five seed. It would have been great to see a one first 13 seed, but um, I guess my Cinderella story uh, is fall by the wayside. All right, next one. In the historic region, we have number six, Daniel Clemens, which we just talked about him a lot, and number three, Sean Noriega, which in general we talk about Sean Noriega a lot on two-way lights. So this one, this is where I have an issue with two-way lights voters. Daniel Clemens got like 13% of the vote or something, or something stupid. No, it should be much closer than that. Six first three C gen- in general should be a little bit more closer. And I think based on these two lifters, based on how these two lifters perform and their top ends, like you say, the ceiling and the floor, Daniel Clemens needs way more respect in this voting and I could honestly see a scenario where he would win as far as best 20 or as far as a better lifter in 2021 Raw Nationals. And we just said, we, we just spoke so much on why that is. He is training. He's killing it. His last meet, he missed weight, unfortunately. But if he puts it together at total, he's winning 66 kilos. And if he's winning 66 kilos, he's the national champion. He has a crazy good list score. And we're talking about him surpassing a possible world record total set by Charles Apolco, which he's like the 66 kg god for the past three or four years. Like, that's who they all were trying to surpass. And one of the most well-respected lifters in the USAPL was Charles. And Daniel Clemens has an opportunity to annihilate that record. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. This is a lot closer than the voting should be because, again, it literally goes back to yesterday what happened with Daniel hitting 640 for four and, like, 1,600 seeming very possible. They both have the ceiling of getting first. Sean has the possibility of beating Russ. Dan has the very good possibility of winning. I would say, I don't know. So here, here's what I'm going to come down to on this one. This is going to have to be a weight class in relation discussion. Again, if you take Daniel, you give him 1,600. You have this super meet. He goes up to 74. That's seventh place. Sean, he goes 850 kilo. He moves up to 93. 850 kilo, that's like third at 93. Okay. That's, that's, that's where I go back to the 66 kilo class is going to be very competitive in that we've got legitimately four people because Morgan, Morgan Aquino is Aquino. He's, he's in the picture. He's just not on this list because he hasn't – his GL score didn't get him ranked, but he's very much in the picture there because he hasn't competed in a while. But if you're going competitiveness of class, Daniel's super meet gets seventh in the class up. Sean's super meet gets possibly third in the class up. All right. Well, here, here – I understand what you're saying on that one, but here's my issue with it. We're talking about, I don't, I think Daniel Clemens giving a super meet is way more likely than Sean Noriega having a super meet. 850 kilos from Sean Noriega is going to be very, very tough. Right now, from what I see from Daniel Clemens, he can potentially have that super meet we're discussing at 1600, just based on his training right now. I, I agree. I mean, I, I guess I can't. As Sean's coach, I'm going to be biased, yeah. but at the same time I have insight, I don't think 850 is going to be that hard. 
I think that is very doable. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would hope you. I would, it would be crazy if you were like, I don't think he's gonna do it either. <laughs> that would be a good two highlights moments. Like, yeah, you're right. No, I don't think he's gonna get eight. But I'm just saying, based on what I've seen, everything, the facts presented to me, I think Daniel Clemens has a great opportunity. And really, the only knock, and that's something I just can't get over, is the him missing weight. Like that's a, that's a thing that always yeah. is in my back of my mind, even though it's kind of stupid. Because if he didn't miss weight, we wouldn't. I mean, we, I'd still be discussing Sean against Daniel, but Daniel would would not be as much of a discussion on who's winning. Daniel would be the heavy favorite if he didn't miss. Uh, weight. Man, I just I, I think whenever we have this discussion of the person who is because right now Sean, no matter how you cut it, I think he would even say the same thing. He is the underdog in eighty three. Russ is the favorite right now. It's going to take Sean beating Russ in order to win, not the other way around. Right now, it's going to have to take Garcia and Monzo beating Clements in order to win 66. And if he wins 66, I could see him winning Worlds. He wins Worlds. You're talking about the person who's going to represent the United States at Sheffield. And I think the chances of that happening are much higher than Noriega's where he's got to face a person that, you know, he has had the opportunity to beat and hasn't in Russ. So I, I, for me, if you put a gun to my head on this one, I'm going Daniel Clemens. I mean, if I go Jonathan and Daniel, Daniel gets a slight uptick. Jonathan just got beat by Connor. So that means if Connor's a slight uptick from Jonathan, Connor and Daniel aren't too far off, but then I'm sorry, Connor. Like Connor gets beat by Sean. I I, I don't say fairly yeah. easily, but Sean wins that. That's a tough one too. If you give me Connor Barker versus Noriega, you might get like that's a that's a tough one too. That's a really difficult one. It's just as difficult as this one. So well, I, I mean, the seating makes sense, over, right? We're going over American record totals too. I mean. I'm going to say straight up to win nationals at 83, someone's going to have to go 850. And 850s going to demolish the American record total. You look at Hack as the god, that would be almost 40 kilos over what Hack did that was the unbeatable record for a while. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be biased in this just straight up. There is not going to change because I also know what he's going to be capable of. But I mean, I'm going to go Sean, but I definitely, Daniel could easily be a top five lifter in the USAPL if he does what he can do at Raw Nationals. As of right now, he hasn't done it in his yeah. weight class. Sean has at least. Yeah. I mean, my fault. Sean should have broken the American record total at his meet. I had some bad calls on attempt selection. He could have easily gone 840 on the day. He should have that American record total. And if he had that American record total and I didn't screw up, what would you be saying right now? It would still be close. It would still be close for me. And that's more a testament to what I think Daniel's capable of, not to what Noriega can and can't do. That that that's or what he like what he's capable of as well. It's not it it's just when you look weight class to weight class, Daniel Clemens, I think, is a clear favorite to win sixty six. It's gonna be tough. But if he puts together a total that completely racky tacks the old American record and the, the world record. And you have a guy, I mean, like, say if, so, say if Noriega totals 850 and Russell is 852, like, just by that logic, like, we kind of still have to have, like, this Daniel move on because he won his weight class. 
and then we would have to reseed Russ to like a number one seed, right? Because then it's going to be you know all over the place with good lift points and all that kind of stuff. So still, it would be close. It would be close for me. I would be more inclined to say nor. I would probably say Noriega in that situation though. Because then you're looking at because then this you're is the same thing is like we talking about Perk versus Atwood. Perk could get second to Atwood and be the second best lifter in yeah. the UFL. Nori could hit eight fifty and Russ hits eight fifty two point five. That would still make Nori if I, okay. If I'm being realistic though, I think Noriega definitely could have told eight eight forty is pretty high. I think Noriega definitely could have told eight thirty five. Definitely, that is my pick for his last meet. He definitely could have told eight thirty five. With possibly something left in the tank, a forty is just a higher. It's it's you know, it's it's five kilos more, and you really know if that's you don't know if that's ever, you don't know if he's I'll really gonna hit that. Eight thirty-eight point five. Eight thirty-eight point five. So uh, yeah, I lo- like Noriega within that range of eight thirty to eight thirty-five is perfect for me. I think that's what he could in his meet. I think if bench execution goes differently, we're we're having a completely different conversation right now, but. That's what I saw from Clemens at his last meet, and this is what I'm seeing from his training now. Not exactly fair because Noriega can't really put together anything. He's two or three weeks off of his last meet. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm still going to have to go with Daniel Clemens in this situation. And I know with you coaching him, and I think Sean Nor- I had this conversation with other people. I think Sean Noriega has now improved his game where he is a great meet executioner. That was not his reputation prior, mm-hmm. especially he's with big meets like the Arnold and Nationals. In the last two meets, it's an un, it's a J hook away from that. I mean, the fact of the matter is, just because of how he felt on the TSS bench, just insider info, he went on a self lift off because yeah. of it felt better, and he was also worried. I mean, just lift offs are always Can't interesting go. based on who's giving you the lift off. So we went with that. So he had to set up close to the rack. He clipped the rack. Um, so that was it. I mean, the strength was there. So. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Daniel is, he is very, very, very much in the argument there. But, yeah, I'm going, I'm still going Sean, though. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. And I think this is the only one where I'm like legitimately, where I'm legitimately disagreeing with you because the Connor Borkert one, I could totally get on board with that. I could still get on board with Noriega, but I just, that's how much I like Daniel Clements right now. That's how much he's training. If we had a power rankings, Daniel Clements is like two on the power rankings. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out one more thing. We've talked about, let's just say this is a tiebreaker. We're just like, okay, it's tied. Then we got to go past performance. Sean's got multiple second places. He's been the IPF. Yeah. Sean he hasn't done it. Daniel hasn't done yeah. it on the big stage. Yeah. Sean, Sean has definitely helped out on that. And I guess that's why Sean is in the position that he's in, right? He's he he didn't get to this position just by being like a guy like me, who speaks his mind a lot. I mean, he actually does do that. Never mind. He does speak <laughs> his mind a lot. Uh, that was a bad example. Oh, has a gimmick. Has a actually kind of has that too with his bench charge. Never mind. Yeah, Sean Noriega and me are very similar. Uh, he's just a better lifter than I am. <laughs> but both got luscious, dark, fairly long hair. He, he keeps growing his out. Yeah. So actually when I keep on describing it, yeah, we're essentially the same person, but he has a bigger total than me. Um, and that's why he has more followers in the long run. But yes, he has his accolades. He has his past accomplishments and Daniel is creating that path for himself right now. Um, so if you go based on that, yeah, but I, again, 
my argument is always going to be pretty emotional or just pretty just highly opinionated with gun to my head, who's going to have a better performance at Raw Nationals. And if I close my eyes, I could see Daniel Clemens with a first-place medal, and it would not surprise me to see Sean Noriega second. Yeah. If he wins, though, wouldn't be that surprised either. But Daniel Clemens, I can see both of them winning, too. But if they win, it's not. I don't think that's comparable. Oh, no. If they win, so if Noriega wins 83s, yes. He gets a, he gets a nod there. But Daniel Clemens doesn't have Russ to compete against. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it, I guess. Speaking of Russ, we got number 10 versus number 2. Michael Davis, Mikey, Mikey D, better known as, versus Russ Orhe, the Battle of the Flex Boys. Uh, Mikey D, uh, a few weeks back, said, please vote for me so I can get uh, so I can get destroyed by Russ in the next round. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't want to say destroyed was the right word, but, um, yeah, I think, I think Russ moves on in this competition, this matchup between Mikey D without the injury that Mikey D just suffered. I think even if you take Mikey D's best performance, it's still hard to beat Russ based on what Russ has done in the past. Yeah, I think so. Cause Michael Davis was a question mark of what he could do. Like it was a question mark based on his training. Like, is he going to push towards 2100? And he kind of gave us that answer. Um, the squat was hard. That was a max out squat. Um, he missed his third bench and obviously he got hurt on his third deadlift. He, he said he was very confident he could hit his third deadlift. And I think if he hits that third deadlift, I think it was like a 20, 35 total or something like that. If he goes 20, 35 at nationals, he would really need Ashton and Bryce to have some slip ups. Yeah. He would. Yeah. Um, so that kind of answered that question. Like, I thought it was plausible that Mikey could win nationals. And if he didn't get hurt, it still could be plausible that he makes some progress. But just unfortunately, the fact that he had a decently significant adductor strain, it, it doesn't sound like it was – I don't think he said there was bruising. So He I don't said know bruising and a little bit of swelling. So that's yeah. – So that, that's going to be – that's not just going to be an overnight fix. No. Could he come back at nationals and be at full strength? Yes, but currently his full strength's around like 2030. Yeah. I'm not sure he's coming back and beating that. If he could if he could have showed us he could hit 2100, that would be a legitimate discussion of him versus Russ. But since we've kind of got the picture clear now, um Russ Russ gets this one. Yeah, I mean it's what we're talking I mean, what we're talking about so many times in this comparisons is who's going to win the weight class, who has a better chance of winning the weight class, who has a better chance of doing a better performance. Right now, and I said it previously, Russ is the favorite to win 83. He's a four-time or three-time national champion in 83 KG division. It's his division, and the reason why it's his division, because he constantly improves upon a great total. Unless you count IPF Worlds to nationals, but still, he walked away with the Raw Nationals title. So... Mm -hmm. He's the guy to beat. He's the man in 83, and Mikey is still getting to the point where he's the man in 105s. So I think, to me, the future is very bright for Mikey D to get there. The Being the guy at 105s, I, I legit think he can do it. Um, I think the future is very bright for him in the sport. Uh, one of my favorite lifters to watch, really. But 
it's just um, it's a tough matchup for it's a tough matchup for really anyone on this list. Is Russ Warhe? He's a number two seed, but you know by twenty twenty one, I mean by twenty twenty two, who knows? He could be a one seed. Um, you know, and if Russ had competed last year, he very well could have been a one seed here. I think. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what is. I mean, that's a, that's another issue with Russ. We know what his gym total is around. It's like eight sixty. Um, he's a guy who does. I'm calling it eight fifty. Eight fifty at at the gym at the mock meet. Was it eight fifty? He hit eight sixty five at the mock meet, but anyone and everyone knows that last deadlift was not good. So therefore, eight fifty is his gym total. Okay, all right. So eight fifty gym total. Um, yeah. I, so so we we know we could hit there, but uh, yeah, it's he's going to put together a. No matter what, he's going to put together a total. Even if it's a bad total, it's still going to give Sean a run for his money, oh, yeah. right? No I mean, matter what, Russ I mean, Russ no matter really bad. what it is, it's, it's Russ's, Russ's bad day at 2019 Nats was still just just below his world record total. It wasn't that far off. Yeah. So if Russ had had the day he he wanted, he very well could have blown that out of the water. So I mean, Russ Russ is I would argue he with Ray kind of taking the dip. I think Russ is kind of the face of the USAPL right now, and it's it's very much warranted. Yeah, um, he is back to back national champ, IPF champ, um, and his training is seemingly going well. I mean, he doesn't really get too much. Well, he actually did have a little bit of an injury lately, but I don't think it's going to be serious. He usually avoids the injury bug pretty good. So yeah, um, everything's shaping up for him to continue to be Russ and, and bring his best to run at. Yeah, and it seems like his training now is. I mean. I think a squat depth is always going to be somewhat of an issue, just based on how he squats. He's not really an ass-to-grass type squatter anyways. But it's definitely not what it was in 2019 for Raw Nationals, where every lifter was looking at their phones and looking at their friends, you know, kind of like, are you going to say it or I'm going to say it? This is high, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty high. And it turned out to kind of bite him in the ass at Raw Nationals. He, you know, prevailed, but... He's not doing that anymore. He's not squatting that high because it was noticeably high throughout that prep. So he's not doing that anymore. So that's good for his sake. Um, Yeah, uh, I would have him moving on to the next round. And what do you know? It's going to be Sean Noriega versus Russ Orhe in, I guess we could call it the Sweet 16. I'm going to call it the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's that gonna be fun. It's inevitable. They're gonna forever be linked together. That's gonna be fun. Maybe, maybe, maybe a guy could give us a goddamn repost on these little uh, on these little brackets that we're doing instead of just like, oh no, I'm too cool for it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to show that I care. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be fun, and that's gonna do it for the Stoic Region. So the Stoic Region is finished off, and now we have our final bracket for the female side, the Project Strength Region. We start off with Heather Connor at the one seed first eight, uh, Dana McNeil. We bought up Dana McNeil at the beginning, possibly competing in the super ultra competitive 76 kilo division. Uh, terrific lifter, but Heather Connor right now, I think always is going to be considered the top, one of the top females, no matter what, um, no matter how great Amanda Lawrence is, Dan- Danielle Mello is, Monica Brown, Sam Calhoun, Heather Connor is always going to be in discussion. Always going to be there, and it's always going to be an issue with body weight, how much you value the good lift points, and how much you think that should account for something. 
but she completely dominates 47, uh, 47 kilos every year. And I can't get over her deadlift recently. Yeah, I mean, if she brings that deadlift to the platform, she and, might challenge Amanda for best deadlift points ever. And I think, so, good lift points are biased between men and women. Men are just, it's almost like, other than like the top, top, it's about a five-point difference. Like if a guy's 100, an equivalent female would be 95. So they're biased in that sense. But within women, like if you look at like our rankings, the rankings for women based off of good lift points, in my opinion, were way more accurate than the guys. On the guy's side, there were a lot of weird ones that were just either overrated or underrated. The women are decently, like if you look at like who's moving on, they're usually the favorites based off of the good lift score. So I think good lift score on the women's side in comparison to other women is actually a bit more of a valid comparison. And we especially have to use that in some manner when comparing like a Heather versus Amanda when we eventually do that because they're just so far discrepancy in, in body weight. But yeah, looking at Heather versus Dana, um, Dana is coming in as the uh, second qualifier, ranked qualifier. But as mentioned, her most recent meet when she cut weight, it definitely did affect her a bit. She's still hitting a 500 plus kilo total, which is amazing. But she's going up against Heather Connor, who could possibly take the all time good lift score from Amanda Lawrence. So therefore, Heather's going to get the vote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, uh, the one seeds are one seeds for a reason. Uh, their, their, their seating is valid to what they've done on the platform. Um, I'm just saying, like, as this competition goes, and once we get to Raw Nationals, the, I mean, I don't see any reason why she can't take an 840 on the platform. Like, I, I don't see it. Like, she's a very, very similar to Perkins in that sense. She doesn't cut her gym. Her, her gym lifts are very accurate to what she hits on the platform. I mean, she was... She was kind of, like, it felt like stuck at 400, kept on chipping 400 at, uh, at, at like, in the gym and in meets. I didn't see her go up much above 405 or anything like that. And then now you see her at 440. Yeah. Like, no, she, she's, she's, she's she taking that. Year, and it's going to be unbelievably exciting to see her compete. Yeah. So. So I, I have her moving on to the next round. Again, Dana McNeil competing in that ultra competitive 76-kilo division. Uh, really can't wait to see what she does. And, you know, uh, a new face that we see on this this like kind of bracket thing because not, not a name who spotlight a lot, even though it should be in the sport of powerlifting. All right, moving on. The five first four matchup. Brittany Soplicki versus Megan Scatlin. And this one is very true to a five first four. Yep. Don't and know same, really uh, who's going to move so this on. Is, this is straight up. Who do we think is winning the 57 kilo class or who's the favorite? Yes. And this one's tough because literally I'm going to contradict myself and everyone's going to be like, Steve, you make no sense here. And that's fine if you don't because it, you're. It, Megan Scanlon is Steven the a. favorite. I think Brittany Suplicky wins. <laughs> What's that? Megan Scanlon is the favorite, but I think Brittany Suplicky wins. Well, no. I mean, I. I can actually agree with you. That's um, that's a uh, that's that's actually kind of the, <laughs> it's a very true to Stephen A. and Skip Bayless kind of thing. Like, you see a person who's the favorite, but you see someone surpassing them in a way. Yeah. And if you look at Scantlin, yeah, her numbers would show that she could, she definitely has in the past and possibly in the future to beat Brittany Saplicki, but. The momentum Brittany is putting on right now, I don't care exactly what the totals are. I think Saplicki 
is turning herself into the better lifter of the two. Yeah, and we actually discussed this before the show, and I was wrong about something. So I was going back, and I was like, oh, the, the qualifying total that Scanlon put in was actually not one of her best meets. She hit 1038 at IPF Worlds, and she's hit 1085, 1069, 1047 in that same time frame. I missed those were in a different weight class. Mm. That was when she was competing at 63. 471 is her best total at 57 kilo, because I guess when she won raw Nats, she then actually went up in weight and then had to cut back down to actually compete at IPF Worlds again. So her best total is, is that 471, and that was at her best. She just came off of having a child. Her training looks to be going decent, but is she going to be able to match her best ever at 57 kilo? I don't know. And Brittany Sublicki hit that 460 on a spur of the moment meet and seemingly has more than that. And her training is going really well. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that uh, Sublicki can, I, I guess this is a personal thing for me. When somebody takes meets like on the spur of the moment because they weren't happy about their last performance, I don't love that approach to powerlifting. I think that hurts your long-term success. And we don't know if that's going to hurt your long-term success. That's just a personal thing for me. Um, I think, actually, Joey Flex talked about it a little bit on King of Lips when he was on about Ashton kind of competing a little bit too frequently. And I actually mm-hmm. agree with that. Like, got to chill on the competitions. Like, save your shit for the big ones, which is Raw Nationals. But in spite of me saying that, with the momentum Saplicki is building up and her being just more active. I mean, she won the Arnold. Uh, the pro-American. She won the Arnold and the pro-American. And that that's a relatively recent meet. That's the biggest sta- that's the biggest stage meet we have. Or we really have that's most recent. Um unless you count like the primetime sessions, which I don't necessarily do. Arnold is more similar to Nationals in that sense. I think with the momentum that he's building, again, if I close my eyes and imagine it. I could see Saplicki being the, being the 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 that premier lifter in that division. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm back and forth on this one. I don't, I don't know because, like I said, I contradict myself. I say Scanlon's the favorite, and that's mainly because of her past accolades. But if I if, you, if I had to bet on it, I think Brittany's going to win it. And and really, I have my bias here too because it's like. It's um I, I mean I, I could get on the two white lights listeners all I want but I guess my I'm, I myself am a two white lights listener because Brittany Saplicki I've gotten into powerlifting in the USAPL in 2019 and Saplicki has been the more recent successful lifter than Megan Scantlin I know for a fact that Megan Scantlin had a great pass I just never witnessed it because I wasn't in the USAPL and then see what she was capable of like what I do see is Brittany. So I'm on Megan Scanlon's page, and I think this may sway me. Four days ago, she posted, this past six-ish weeks, the only comp lift I have been doing is bench. Well, I guess everything else is variations. But she... we What are we sitting at, though? We're sitting at 12 weeks out. Like, I should be on prep right now. So, and she says, excited to see things translate over the we build over the next 13 weeks. I don't know. I can just... I don't actually have any numbers in my head. I just want them to be the ones I should hit on the day when it comes. Okay. I, I'm just I'm just going by how this sounds. It doesn't sound like she's coming 
like she's kind of talking herself a bit into that she might not be able to beat her old self. She just needs to be her best self now. Yeah. Which is which is awesome. That is that is one thousand percent the attitude and approach you should have. But in the sense of comparing who's gonna possibly win a national title, I think Brittany has more momentum and a better situation with training going into this. And so I think I, I actually was going to vote Megan, but I think after talking to myself, I think I'm going Brittany. Yeah. And I think I've, I've given my vote pretty early on this one. I could just see Brittany having a better meet right now. I think she's, she's definitely, she definitely wants it right now. Um, I, based on what I've seen out of her training, she is a, a ferocious competitor, not saying Megan Scanlon isn't, but, I, I think just currently what I'm seeing for Brittany is that she is going to be, you know, the, the best lifter uh, or the better lifter in 2021 when Raw Nationals comes around. And I think I, I think I, I would actually put her as my favorite for um, the 57s. Yeah. And I mean, you even got we even talked about because it was a close battle last time. You got Allison Weinberg nipping at the heels, too. Yeah. I mean, Allison Weinberg could emerge there. I, I, I legitimately could see Allison, Brittany, or Megan all possibly winning first. But if I was betting on someone right now, I feel like the momentum, past performance, and how training's going, Brittany's going to be my favorite there. So check right. mark for Brittany. It sounds like check mark for you for Brittany, which means we got a little bit of an upset there with Brittany moving on. Yeah. Uh, two, two to one. Uh, fans voted 63% for Scantlin. All right. Next one. Should raise a lot of eyebrows here. Number six, Andrea Riley versus number three, Jennifer Thompson. And this is another one. To White Lights listeners, I can't get on you too hard on this one because I just found out who Andrea Riley is like four or five weeks ago. Just doing research for the show. Um, but still, you guys should know by now, 87% to 13%, I disagree with completely. It should, I mean, if it was, again, 55, 45, maybe you got my agreement on this one. But Andrea Riley is such a good competitor right now. And like we said, she can definitely win 52 kilos. And as of right now, based on where she is, where she is projected and how she is progressing in her training, I, I have... A very, I have a very good argument saying that she's better than Jen Thompson just based on what Jen Thompson can do in her weight class now. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a perk versus race situation again. It's it's taking the person who's an up and coming phenom. I mean, and and, and or she goes by Andy. It looks like on her profile, but Andrea Riley. Uh, I think that four twenty two point five put her on the map. She just hit her best squat in a meet, 336. She just hit 319 for five for a PR yesterday. Her training seemingly going amazing. Now, Jen is rehabbing and getting better. And as we mentioned last week, um, for coming off of that hip issue, she put up a decent total. But even with that, and she adds back to it, she's probably looking at at best in my opinion second place that would be if she could dethrone jennifer milliken in second because sam's i think she's too far off of sam that's about a 30 something kilo difference to make up if jennifer adds about 15 kilos to her total in december she can have a jen that's pulls it up there 
But Andrea Riley, I think this kind of goes back to the same situation as Brittany versus Megan. Marissa's going to be the favorite. I think Andrea wins 52. Yeah. I think it would be less surprising if Andrea Riley won 52 than Ken Thompson winning 63. Yes. It would be less surprising to me. Again, to people listening and the people in powerlifting, that will be a huge upset and they'll be very surprised about it. And they would might assume that Ken Thompson has won 63 already because Ken Thompson is the GOAT, like, right? He's how many time national world champion? Like, it's just way too many to really even list and account for how many records has he broken? A ton. But right now, we are looking at 2021 Raw Nationals, and we're, and this happens in every sport. We start to see lifters kind of slow down, and we see lifters speed up. Right now, Andrea Riley is on that fast track. She is speeding up, and I think Jen Thompson is stagnating just a bit. Yeah, if Andrea Riley beats Marissa Enda, that's a big deal. Yeah. Marissa's won that class, I don't know how many years in a row. It has to be three or four years, I guess. Three years, I don't know. Andrea being Enda is huge. So, and I, I really think it's going to happen because they only have a five kilo discrepancy. Marissa's total is from a while back, and I, I don't, it's hard to kind of know how Marissa's training is going, but it, it, nothing is showing that like it's going phenomenal where like we're expecting some big bump in her total. Like, we pretty much expect about that 427.5. And from Andrea, we I, I very much expect probably 430 plus right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big upset. And it's zero disrespect for Jennifer Thompson because if we were going just all-time GOAT status, I think Jennifer wins this entire thing. Yeah. I, I think it's so. just that this isn't all-time GOAT status. This is who's the best lifter in 2021. Yeah, I think a lot of, uh, you know, USAPL, IPF purists are going to get upset, like, listening to this whole Mark Madness thing, because who do we, we bounced Ray, and a 21-year-old took it from Ray. We're talking about Jen Thompson right now, who's been the the most, I, I who's been the most, one of the most dominant females in the sport for how long? Um, I'm personally, right now, one another one of those situations who I could see having a more successful meet in 2021, it's Andrea Riley. So I'm, I'm disagreeing with the fans on here. I'm giving her my vote, and you know maybe maybe the USAPL IPF purists might have an issue with the with two white lights on this, but I I could see a better me from her. And I guess you know we don't have many of those people left. I mean we bounced Ellis McLean, we bounced uh, David Ricks, uh, who, who Ray Williams. We found, yeah, exactly Ray Williams. Like who 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 else is there for me to piss off? Like some of uh, the older the the older uh, IPF USAPL stands. Yeah. All right. So, but uh, that's uh, that's one vote for me on Andrea Riley. How about you? Yeah, one vote for me. Andrea takes it. All right. So that's that. That to me, I think that has the label of biggest upset right now, because it is a six versus three seed where Perkins you know, was a two side? seed. Yeah, I think okay, on the women's side, that's the biggest upset. On the men's side. Perk over Ray is well. Actually, here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Perk had a good amount of that voting. Many of the fans voted in this way of Perk. No one voted for Andrea right now. Like he has okay. a. So listen, I get that in the sense of fan voting. That's the biggest upset. Yeah, I get that, and that that goes back to Noah. She's got her and Chandler Babb are similar. Like they, no one knows who they are. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like Perk. No matter what, he's got. I mean, I mean, someone just reposted uh, on Two White Lights like it was a hard decision for them to come by. I'm like, hey, no one is saying about this any of the other 
matchup. So right now, I would say uh, I, I would say this might be the biggest upset. Actually, I'm going to call it the the biggest upset so far we've had on this, um, at least in the Sweet Sixteen. So I'm going to pearl I'm going to plural Sweet Sixteens because they're on two two. I'm, I'm two. not getting on board with the Sweet Sixteen thing. I'm not. I'm refusing. Okay, well, that's going to be an issue when I constantly... Cancel, cancel Culture Angelo Sweet 16. When I constantly repost the Elite Eights next time. Gage, so. please meme this. Who? Gage. Gage? Gage doesn't understand numbers. He doesn't understand <laughs> how those fucking things work. He's like, uh, what? what you, got? you guys You guys talk too much about a sport no one cares about. Alright. Next matchup, we have number seven, Jasmine Penn, and number two, Daniela Mello, both competing at 76 kilos. We talked a little bit about Jasmine Penn and Chloe Dublin and just the entirety of the 76 uh, division. And I think they're actually both ranked the same, right? Uh, Chloe and Jasmine, 7 for 7? Or is it 7 for 8? Their ranking is both 7. Very. Uh, Chloe has a little bit higher QT total. Very very appropriate that they would have the same seating because that's how close they are between each other. But the reason why... I mean, really, the reason why they're sevens is because we have Daniela Melo in number two. Yes. Yeah, that ends up skewing the good list. I mean, literally, Amanda and Daniela, kind of, in a, in a way, they very much have skewed good list scores because of how much of outliers they've been. Yeah. There's such outliers in the sense of their totals compared to what the mean looks like going up. Um, so, Jasmine, I mean, Daniela's going to take this. I mean, we're doing weight class to weight class. Daniela is the heavy, heavy favorite. I mean, we don't know what they're both going to total a new weight class, but, I mean, Daniela out QTs her by over 100 kilos. The thing I am excited to see, though, is Jasmine and Chloe have had injury issues. And one thing as a coach I've seen that there's a lot of reasons why injuries can happen and be kind of chronic. But one of them is, like, recovery is obviously a big modality and a reason for injury. If you don't recover, you overlook tissues. Being able to be a higher body weight and intake more calories has the propensity to improve recovery. I've had many of my lifters on multiple occasions who have increased weight classes and improved their injury resiliency Hmm. because of improved recovery and better sustainability at a higher weight class. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to see that with Chloe and Jasmine, being able to maintain this higher body weight and being able to maintain a higher caloric intake. And hopefully we see that injury bug kind of go away and we can kind of really see some good consistent training to see them kind of elevate themselves in that weight class. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. That's You know what? That's why you're the perfect co-host, Steve. You can tell me those things that I have no idea about. So that's a very good point. Um, you know what? I'm. You said you're excited to see them at a higher weight class, which I am too. I'm just ex- 76. You know, I think you might have said 69 kilos is your most – hyped up or most intriguing weight class with the females i'm gonna say 76 because one we get to see daniela Mello hit the platform again which usapl and powerlifting needs that mm-hmm. we need to see daniela Mello back on the platform 2019 the battle between her and amanda lawrence was in my opinion and i think many people's opinions the top story in powerlifting they had a lot of the hype bought to them. I think a lot of the people were talking more about Daniela Mello and Amanda Lawrence rather than Noriega, Russ, and Atwood, which is huge. And it's, it's great to see. And with Daniela not on the platform, there that, that, that lost a little bit of steam. And I think with Sheffield rolled around, it would have been the biggest story there. It would have been Daniela 
first Lawrence again on a bigger stage for money. And the fact that Daniel is going to be on the platform again in a new weight class is going to be fantastic. It's good for the sport, and it's even better because it's coupled with all these other fantastic lifters in that weight class too. You get Desmond Penn, you get Chloe Dublin, you get Thurston, and you get McNeil. You get a lot of great lifters here. And, and there's probably a bunch more that don't make the bracket that, that we're, that we're going to look for. We're just talking to. straight popularity. That is a very popular weight class in the sense of like resonating figures within the sport. Yeah, I would say it's actually crazy to think about. We talk about a lot of people like recency bias, like we kind of forget about them. Daniela hasn't competed since like 2019 Worlds, yet we still, no one forgets about her. That's just how iconic of a figure she is in this sport, that literally she cannot compete for two years and no one forgets about her. Yeah. Uh, So, but even with that, I mean, obviously, yeah, Chloe and Jasmine were the top of the 72 class. Um, We have some people coming down from 84. Um, with Dana and Isla and Gina Hensley that uh, I think we're going to get a little bit more recognition because now they're going to be lumped together with these other kind of more well-known lifters. So it's a very interesting division. Um, I'm really excited for 69 and 76. So that was a long time needed. That that gap between um, 72 to 84 was just brutal. Um, there were so many lifters that just stuck in between it because they didn't even want to make the full jump. So, um, but yeah, at least in this scenario, um, head-to-head, Daniela's going to take this. Um, she's going to be most likely the runaway winner with 76. And, the, I mean, we're just going to have to see kind of where she's at. Like, her training's going well um, and see kind of what she can do in this lower weight class now. Yeah, I wonder how – I wonder what the, uh, the the strategy is for her on the platform too. Um, that's, I guess, another reason why I'm just curious about 76. Like, what, what are the numbers going to be? It's been such a long time since she's competed. What are the numbers going to hit? What are the numbers? It's like, are you going to hit the numbers you need to win that day? Are you going to take the numbers you need just to, you know, get something out there? Are you trying to go all out? It's it's very interesting when it comes to Daniela Mello, but I think in no matter what scenario you look at, she's the best 76 kilo. I, I would guess there's some good lift score, best overall lifter still thoughts in mind there. All right. Well, you have a little bit better of an inside edge than I do. I don't, I don't have any inside edge there. That has not been told me by any means. Oh. I am just guessing that uh, there's there would be some cross-division uh, battle still in the sense of wanting to be first. Yeah, I mean, it was very clear that the both those, Amanda and Daniela, want to top each other as far as best lifter goes. And that's what makes the sport great, the competition and the head-to-head competition that we get so it's still alive and that's uh, why we're excited but um two for seven daniela mello uh the fans obviously voted her in i'm gonna give her my vote steve i'm assuming you are giving daniela the nod yeah i'm doing some math real quick just because we get brought up amanda's 122 something on good lift score if daniela matched the same good lift score or same total she's done 613 just matched it spot on that's 120.86 so it's close She'd that's have to, have to beat her total a little bit, but that's, it's close. That is something that, oh man, that is something. I mean, we talk about recency bias, and yes, Daniela is still this premier lifter, and this. Uh, but people forget how good that performance was, mm-hmm. and people also forget that she won that year's Raw Nationals. That's yeah. a big thing that people like really forget. In Spokane, she actually won Raw Nationals, and I think a lot of people just naturally assume that Amanda Lawrence won, and it's not the case. And I guess that's that's where people the recency bias doesn't completely come into play. There is people have like really forgot like how 
how far ahead Daniela Mello was of her like time in 2018. So it's again, that's why I'm excited to see her compete. Yeah, for sure. That would, that's going to be something I'm, I've been very excited for. See Daniel step up on the platform. So, all right. And you know what? That is going to do it for our second round in the two white lights, March madness. We have a lot of upsets. We have a lot of debate. And it's going to get worse. Yes, we're, we're going to have some. We're going to have some very. I mean, we're, I, once we get down to that elite eight and final four, there's going to be some very close battles. I don't think there's going to be um, upsets as much as many of them. No, but everyone, everyone left is very deserving to be yes, called one of the lifters. We might now when we lease these brackets based on the fan bases. It might get a little bit heated in the comment section, based yeah. on who I see the the matchups against. Um, I I mean, I, I guess uh, with Connor Borker going against Ashton Roska, that's uh, that that might not get as heated. But <laughs> yeah, these will be interesting with the fan votes now because we're gonna get a lot. I think we're gonna get a lot closer with these. We'll see though. Yeah, once yeah once the uh, yeah the once the finals come through, but. That's going to do it for this episode of Two White Lights. Um, We are going to get these brackets out, get the voting out, possibly on Monday. Yeah, Monday would actually make sense. Uh, This is airing Thursday, so get these out Monday so you guys can vote on them. And we'll have probably next Thursday uh, us discuss our our picks, your picks, and the matchups going forward. Yep. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Peace!